This is According to Callus. It is episode 142. It is a Thursday. And while I don't necessarily have a theme at mind right now, as it is after 10 o'clock, and it's been a long week already, I am just going to start by saying, isn't it great? This is an exciting time we live in. I know there are a lot of people that are concerned. I can't say I'm not concerned, but I am positive. And I believe that we are on the cusp of doing some really good things. I know a lot of my friends and allies are really worried about the fact that we're going to have a swing district in Collin County. But as a result, we're going to get four stronger house districts. As a result, we're going to be able to have five members that are going to be concerned about what's going on in Collin County and what's best for Collin County. Now, the challenge may be the different visions at play, but that's only a challenge if you're putting your, I would call it principles, but it's not even that. It's your your acts. You're, 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 you're putting whatever you're, you want over and above what's best for the county. Or in this case, what's best for Texas. So they say all politics is local. And I I really believe that. Whether it's a city or whether it's the school board, that's the foundation of the things that go on. And then you've got your county level. And your county is supposed to kind of keep everything under control, uh, work with the sheriff, you know, ensure that we have good streets, ensure that we have a safe uh, law enforcement agency and that the people that are held until trial are treated fairly and humanely and properly. And and I think we do those things well at the county level. I, I see some concerns that we deal with and I've talked on several times at the city and school board level and we're working. If you don't show up, the other guys are going to do whatever they want to do. You have to show up. And I think we can do that and we can do it well and we can be constructive. We can have answers. It's really easy to complain. It's really easy to say things are terrible. It's really easy to throw up your hands in disgust and say, this is terrible. I give up. I'm leaving. But things only get worse if you continue to do that. You have to leverage what you know and leverage what you do to try and influence things for the better. You have to put in the effort. You have to put in the time. And I know, I mean, we, I'm going to use my favorite term now, right? We constitutionalists, we commiserate over the idea that because we're working and we're busy taking care of our families and our companies and whatever else in our lives, that we look past all these things that are being done politically. And then when they come up upon us, we are surprised. Now, some of that requires that we spend a little more time in our culture, whether it's in our church, whether it's in our schools, whether it's just in the local activities around. So I had somebody ask me, well, Stephen, you know, you're Navy, right? And I'm like, yeah, yes, I'm Navy guy. Yes, absolutely. It was a great thing. It was time I really enjoyed and it was honor honorable thing to do and it was the right thing to do. But I, but I struggled because once military, always military is very, very true. But where's the line? And, and I, I don't know. Where, where does pre-military Stephen begin and end? And where does post-military Stephen begin and end? That's a good, good question. 
those of you who've served, you know what I'm talking about. It's like now that I'm a civilian again, what, what do I, we all remember our time. We all remember our struggles. We all remember our sacrifices. Some of us did small sacrifice. I mean, I did two years. I was served in peacetime. I'm told by veterans that were in real action, whether it was, you know, Vietnam era, whether it was the, uh, Desert Storm, Desert Shield, which is one of the reasons why I enlisted at that time. Actually, major reason. Or the guys that have been over in the sandbox now. They, they see this all the same. We're a brotherhood. It would last forever. And I wonder. Move, do you ever really move past that? I don't know the answer. You know, I, I talk to friends and there are friends that served and they get it. They know immediately what you're talking about. And there are those that don't. It's just, it's hard to explain it. You, you don't know. I mean, and we enjoy giving each other grief, you know, by branches. It's a good thing. But at the end of the day, it's this, it's this brotherhood, this bond that continues. And even though I haven't served in over 20 years, I, I run across people and I, I always think in the back of my head, I wonder if they serve, when they serve, where they serve. And I know, I mean, it's, you, you just kind of notice people give that off. It's really, it's really something that you can only see or only figure it out if you've been in. And it's not always. Some people hide it better than others. Some people want to forget their time. For me, it was enjoyable. For me, uh, I mean, I was a young man. I didn't know much of anything. And I came out and I pretty much knew what I wanted to do with my life. I knew, went home to my new wife, had children, raised them, went forward and started a career and did what I needed to do to take care of my family. And now that that phase is over, I remember the oath. I remember a responsibility that never went away. Just like the vows that I gave my wife, I gave an oath to my country. I live in Texas. And in Texas, we kind of see ourselves as our own country. So, i to ask myself, how can I best serve my country? How can I best serve my state? How can I best serve my county? That's a tough question. I've been an activist for many years. I've been involved in a lot of things. And, you know, some people say, well, you guys, you activists, you come off angry. You come off mean. You, you come off just always upset. And, you know, there's a little truth to that. It, it does come across that way. Most of us aren't mad. We're not angry. We're just frustrated. And we gotta, and you we gotta reflect. We gotta, we gotta reflect. What could we have done differently? What should we have done differently? Now, a lot of my activist friends, they would say, well, you know, we, we worked really hard to get these people elected. We worked really hard to support these people. And it's true. I, I know a lot of people that have, you know, put in the figurative blood, sweat, and tears. People that put thousands of dollars in other people to go represent them. So I understand why they get disappointed, why they get upset, why they feel let down when these people don't do the things that they expected them to do. But here's the challenge in a representative republic, right? That one person that you helped elect, they now serve 5,000, 
50,000, 500,000, 5 million. They have many, many different masters. And if you have more than one master, you can't serve them well. So what we'd like to believe, right, as constitutionalists, we would like to believe that they're going to serve the Constitution. But what holds them to that? What binds them to that? What makes them do that? What keeps them there when temptation comes around? Now, let's face it. You, want, you look at your average congressperson or senator. Most of them go in and, you know, maybe they're got a little more money than average. Well, by the time they come on and they retired, they're loaded. They've got generational wealth because of what they've done after a lifetime in D.C. And you got to wonder. What causes that? What brings that about? It's temptation. So when you've got a guy or a lady that goes there, I mean, just we're going to bring it back to Texas because Texas is on my heart. Texas, Texas is much closer than what we can deal with in um, D.C. Austin is down the road. You know, to a lesser extent, we have our, our city council. We have the school boards like I've talked about. And really the simplest and best thing we can do there is show up. Tell them what you want. Remind them what you want. And encourage them to do a better job. And if they can't or won't, you get somebody else. And in McKinney, we were fortunate. I mean, we got two new people serving on the school board. First time in forever, I can remember. And they're not even necessarily ideologically on the same page. But they listen and they care. And they want to change with the times they want to adapt they want to reform some of the things that need improvement that's important you don't necessarily have to agree with everything that that person wants to say or do but if they're open and they want to discuss and they want to see how can we make things better those are the people you want that that's ideal when you talk about you know city councils around town i mean I, Look, it's no secret. It was really disappointing how the city of McKinney worked out. There were some errors made. There were there were some. It was messy. We had a couple of people that did much better than we should have expected. But why, why, why did they do better than we expected? We didn't really put any money behind those guys. They were good, solid candidates. We we focused our efforts on what I would consider a long shot, which doesn't mean that it doesn't deserve it, but if we would have just spent our money a little more wisely, if we would have just put our efforts, spread it out a little bit more, might we have gotten one of those city council seats? Maybe we could have gotten two of them. Maybe we could have gotten three if we would have just did it a little bit differently. You can spend days and years as an activist criticizing, critiquing, hammering on the shortcomings of an individual that you sent to represent you. But until you can offer constructive criticism, until you can offer help, until you're willing to do something more, you kind of feel like you're beating your head against the wall. And that's just not conducive to positive feelings. That, that's not going to give you a good outcome. So how do you fix it? Well, we've got a couple of good opportunities right now. 
See, we, right now we've got a solid commissioner's court. We have solid people there. No, we don't have to agree with everything they do and say that they're solid. They they look at what's best for the county. They look at what is the county's charter, what what is the things that the county's supposed to do and do well, and they focus on that and they don't waste money. Times change. Growth happens. You have to adapt. And the city councils do it just like the commissioner court is doing now. They're looking at things and they're saying, well, hey, we've had this much growth. We need to do this. We need to adapt to this. In the case of the city council, sometimes they do things we don't like. Sometimes we question what exactly is the motive behind this. But again, do your research. Show up. Spend time. It's real easy to sit. And I've done it. And I'll probably do it at some point in the future. Man, that's terrible. Why are they doing this to us? Okay? Case in point, a few years back, we were looking at how were they going to route 380. So in a campaign, I say, well, the logical answer is you fix 380 on 380 and you build out the additional roads that are north of it and you increase the amount of traffic they can hold, which will reduce the amount of traffic on 380, which buys you time to come up with a better plan. The issue is, is it wasn't planned out well 30 years ago or 20 years ago, or 10 years ago. And we allowed a lot of encroachment on what is a major highway through Collin County. Again, now you're looking at how do we do this? How do we fix this? So the simple answer is when you do a bypass. But where do you put the bypass? How do you route the bypass? Which is the least expensive? Which is the most cost effective? Two different things there. And which is going to net out a general positive for the communities that the bypass goes through or goes around, if you will. And then there's competing views on that. How do you make that happen? So when you look at it, you, you look at a map and you see, well, if we go through here, we go through here. And look, people are going to lose money and make money off of these decisions. Speculators rush in to buy and sell land in the areas that they think that that road's going to go because it's going to increase the value of the land. And again, this is normal. You don't have to like it, but if it's done fairly and, you know, there's no backdoor deals, no cronyism, there's really nothing to complain about. And at the end, if it's done right, you get a nicely built road for a cost-effective build-out that is a net benefit for the community that it serves. And it's really hard to know what that is if you're not in the thick of it. So when you're back to my original example, when I'm running for city council and I'm looking at 380 and I see what I think is the simplest solution, the way to buy more time until you can figure out what is a proper long-term solution, you hear other ideas bandied about, which... Are, I don't know if I want to say farcical, but fanciful. And I heard it, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, it sounds good. I mean, I don't know if it's feasible, but it sounds good, yeah. Until you start looking at costs, and you start looking at this, and you start looking at that, and you're like, well, that's just not a cost-effective solution. So if you take a step back, 
and you look at what's been going on in Texas. Use this the criteria when you look at the redistricting. And look, I know there are a lot of people that were upset and unhappy with the outcome in Collin County. Oh my gosh, we're giving the Democrats a seat. Oh my gosh, we're not going to be bright red anymore. Listen, 20 years ago, Collin County was an entirely different place than it is now. It's no longer good enough to put an R after your name and run for office and expect to win. It's no longer good enough to just haphazardly do things or just assume the outcome. You have to do the work. We have to know what's going on around us. We have to engage our communities. Okay, so you ask, well, Stephen, how are you going to do that? What are you talking about? Look, as a long-standing member of the Republican Party, as a Liberty Republican, I do everything I can to remind my fellow Republicans that we have these planks. We have a platform that states what we believe in and what we stand for. And while there's 300 some odd planks and we can't possibly keep all of them in the front of our mind, we've narrowed it down to our priorities. And the priorities are things that 90 plus percent of every delegate there agreed with. And we can't get those done. So it goes to a vote and all of our reps in Collin County, they vote the right way. I mean, they got to vote on four of the eight priorities. And depending on who you're talking to, they may say there's nine. Okay, fine. And, you know, you want people want to say, well, we're just going to give them a C. That's not fair. Our, our guys voted the right way when given the opportunity. Now, if you want to blame them for setting the stage to where they couldn't get the opportunity, that's fine, but that's really hard to prove. I mean, we don't necessarily need a court of law, but we got to be fair. we got to be objective. We're supposed to be the thinkers. We're supposed to be the people that value objective analysis. We're supposed to be the people that want small government, so we don't necessarily want government doing everything that they do. So again, let's take a moment. Let's take a step back. Let's look at the redistricting. Every 10 years, redistricting occurs. And all the parties involved know exactly what they're doing. They know exactly why they're doing it. We shouldn't be offended. They're picking their people. It's no different than picking your teams in the grade school playground. You pick your two captains and they say, I want you, I want you, I want you, I want you. And then you go out and you play kickball or dodgeball or baseball, or whatever the game is, you go and you play it, and may the best team win. Sometimes those teams are very lopsided. That makes the team that wins real happy. But it's not a competitive game. It's not enjoyable. And in a game, it makes sense that you want the teams a little more even. But when it comes to how we're running our state, how the Republic of Texas functions, do you really want 
that to happen? Or would you rather stack the deck in your favor? And when I mean your favor, I mean stack the deck in the people that at least say they respect the Constitution. They say they're for limited government. I would say yes. I mean, you have to you have to take the advantage when you can get it. It only happens every 10 years. And believe you me, if the other team has that option, they're going to do the same thing in reverse. I mean, look at the long-term effects in California. Look at what they're doing in Virginia. We can't afford to throw that away. I mean, I know I know the Texas House has this tradition sharing power and being good buddies and whatever else. And I get it. I, there's something to be said for that. You want to get stuff done, you want to you want to make improvements that everybody can agree on, that's fine. But when all of your principles and all of your values are shuttled aside because they're inconvenient or half of your team isn't really interested in doing the right thing by that, that's frustrating. And again, what do you do? What are your options? How do you fix this? The answer is simple. You get involved. You get educated. You spend some time. Now, not any one person can know everything. Right? I would like to tell you that I'm comfortable with my knowledge of the Texas state constitution. I am not. I've pledged to read it, and I will. I will finish it eventually. (laughs) It's not like reading a novel, okay? But if you don't at least have a working knowledge of what the expectation is set up in the Texas state constitution, your fallback should at least be the U.S. constitution. The U.S. constitution was created by the states to bind and hold the federal government to specific things that it was supposed to do. So if you're at least somewhat well-versed in that, you know the Ninth and Tenth Amendment say, basically, FedGov, we've given you these things you can do. You can't do anything else. And by the way, anything that we didn't say is right is right unless said otherwise. And, oh, by the way, those rights that we've reserved for the states and the people are not for you to mess with. But when your state refuses to do that, when your state refuses to enforce the Constitution, you run into problems. So you get a guy that runs around every two years by the name of Tom Glass. And he puts out a resolution about Texas sovereignty. And wouldn't you know it, pretty much every platform committee pushes that through. It goes to the state convention. It gets put in the platform. Nothing happens with it. Now, I don't know if it's because people are afraid. I don't know if it's because people don't think it's going to do anything. But that should be important. Texas is a sovereign state. Texas is on equal footing. Texas should be able to tell the feds, no, this is the line. You can't go any further. But we don't. Again, how do we fix that? You have to be involved. You have to put the time. You have to be willing to make sacrifices. So I'm mulling over an idea. I'm mulling over a decision. I think I know what I want to do. 
I think I know what's the right thing to do. I think I remember the oath I gave. I've really only given two oaths in my life. One was my defending the Constitution. One is my wife. I made plenty of sacrifices for her. What's the sacrifice I'm willing to make for the Alta Constitution? Which is why I was thinking about, you know, my brothers and sisters in arms, right? We all enlisted at some point in time. We all knew at some point in time we could be sent somewhere to give the ultimate sacrifice. Or perhaps a worse outcome, give a sacrifice that isn't the ultimate sacrifice but sends you home in pieces and a lot of those guys they continue and they persevere and they make new lives for themselves some of those guys some of those ladies they just come back in pieces they're hurting we don't do a good job looking out for them they put their lives on the line for us. I don't know what to do to fix it. But I think they need to be heard. We're fortunate. In many levels of uh, government, we have good men that have served that are serving in levels of government. Whether it's... Uh, Daryl Hale on the commissioner's court, whether it's uh, some of the guys in Allen, Dave Cornett comes to mind. I'm sure we got somebody out in Frisco. I don't, I don't remember who it is off the top of your head. We had former Judge Self. You know, we got Bob Hall, excellent state senator. We got Van Taylor, Marine. I mean, we've got these guys. Most of them have been excellent and are doing the work. I'd like to say that that's a reflection of the oath they gave. It could just be that they're above average men, but maybe it's a little part and parcel. Hey, and if I forgot to list somebody, it's not an intentional slight, so, you know, forgive me. I'm just, it's late at night and I'm doing, trying to do this off the top of my head and finish in a reasonable time frame. But these are guys I know personally. I've met them. They I, they care about what they're doing. They remember their oath. And they are serving in a different faction. When, or they had served in a secondary fashion. Maybe that's a better way to phrase it. So, I look. What else could we be doing? What else should we be doing? It's really easy for me and I, I'm putting up the scare quotes. It's really easy for me to put in a half an hour at night uh, recording these and however long it takes to put the podcast out after that. So maybe an hour of my time. So it's my passion project. That's that's really easy. I'm in my air-conditioned home or my heated home and I do it. And I sit in a comfy chair, well, somewhat comfy, and I do it. And I get to vent out and I get to talk about things that are important to me and I get to hopefully share something that's on my mind to the people that are listening 
and it's there to motivate people. It's there to help people. It's there to remind people that we can make a difference. I was speaking to somebody earlier this evening and I, I just said, you know, maybe, maybe I'm delusional. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not quite 50 yet, but maybe I'm a little delusional, but I, I still believe one man can make a difference. One man can stand in the gap. The individual I was speaking to referenced back, well, that's Bob Hall. Think about Bob Hall. Somebody ran against him and said only one piece of uh, legislation has been passed with his name on it. And I said, well, clearly Bob Hall just says, well, think of the nine million that I've killed. That's what I, that's what I'm doing. The other gentleman laughed back and said, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. And that's exactly the way you handle it. I mean, I I think of Jonathan Stickland. I mean, he got the red light bill passed into a law, the red light cameras. That's really the only thing that he's known for doing as far as passing How many things did he kill? How many things did he prevent from being even worse? That's super important. But that's also a sacrifice. To always be saying no, to always be killing or ending things that are widely popular in certain segments of the uh, legislature, that that has a cost. That's a sacrifice. Mr. Stickland had to get out. He had enough. Bob Hall, he's just a tough, tough guy. <laughs> I hope I'm half as tough as he is at that age. And, and I mean no disrespect. He's a tough guy. I look up to that guy. But, I mean, this is what we're working with. We, we can make a difference if we'll just do the work. Just show up. So it weighs on me. What's the right decision? What sacrifice am I making? What am I willing to do? What am I willing to help somebody else do? Hopefully I'll have an answer real quick. I don't usually suffer from analysis paralysis. And I don't think that's what this is. This is just weighing the cost. You don't go running off in the battle without weighing your costs. There's the proverb about before going into a gunfight, get two coffins, right? It's a good point. Weigh the cost. So that's what I'm going to do. I, that, that, that is the solution. <laughs> that's the title of the show, Weigh the Costs. Listen, I've now gone much further into this episode than I had planned. Thank you all for listening. I will see you on the other side.